They nodded towards the schoolyard bachelor action as Sam handed Megan her soy chai latte and Lizzie her flat white. Jesus, she's going to file an injunction or something, Sam plonked down on the end of the bench. Is Dave married? Megan asked. Yep. Lizzie said confidently. And I am extremely proud of myself for knowing that. How the hell do you know that? His kid was Zara's buddy last year. Lizzie said. She insisted on telling me every detail about his life. Oh. Which one's his kid? Sam asked. Jack. Which Jack? Asked Megan. Jack in 12C, Sam said. Megan rolled her eyes. Uh, there are four Jacks in 12C? No, that's 12D. There's only three Jacks in 12C. Oh, Jack B from 12D. Megan asked, squinting as she tried to picture Dave's son. 12C. Yeah, but which one? I think it's Jack D, Sam said. In 12C. Jack D from 12C? Oh, my God. Lizzie threw up her hands. I'm going to stab you both in the face if you don't shut the fuck up. Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast, sponsored by Pantera Press. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome back to the Good Reading Podcast. I'm Max Lewis and today we're joined by Fiona Harris and Mike McLeish talking about their new book, The Drop-Off. The Drop-Off started as a web series depicting the relatable hijinks of parents Lizzie, played by Fiona, Sam, played by Mike, and Megan as they bonded together after dropping off their kids at school. The duo have now expanded the web series with a brand new book which sees the three parents stepping out of their comfort zones after a tragedy rocks the school community. Fiona and Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank thanks you for having, having us. us. So The Drop-Off had quite a bit of success as a short-form web series. What made you want to adapt that to a book? Well, originally um, there was a woman by the name of Angela Meyer who used to work at Echo Publishing and she reached out to Fiona with the idea so as much as Fiona's always wanted to write um, adult fiction novels, we never really connected the dots to think that something we wrote and created as a web series could translate mm. into a novel. But as soon as we got that email, we realised, you know, we'd gotten to know these characters in this world so well and in the ways that we were restricted making the web series, suddenly, you know, the opportunities that presented themselves creatively um, approaching this story and these people with a novel were uh, really exciting right off the bat. Going back to the original web series, how did the idea of that come about? Uh, that was uh, now five years ago um, when, I mean, Mike and I have always written our own stuff and that we've performed either in comedy festivals, theatre or, or whatever. And we were trying to think of an idea for something to do that would be really cheap, um, that we could just get a few of our mates involved in and just make something for fun. Um, and I was literally sitting at drop-off one day um, and looking around the playground and suddenly just thought, this actually, there's a lot of material here. And I got, I received an email and I think it was something like, you know, 8.53 in the morning and Fiona was on school drop-off duty that day. And she sent me an email that just said, show idea, the drop-off. And it was instantly so um, evocative and there was um, a wealth of material on hand. And, yeah, and like Fiona said as well, simple and cheap to make. One location, 
four people sitting on a bench shooting the breeze. Um, the weather once, was never our friend. Once we went into the second season that we got some Screen Australia funding for, um, we could sort of expand out a bit more and, and, and get off the bench and get a bit more action into it. But um, that's how the original idea came about, straight out of Fiona's mm. brain. And the original series is quite heavily based on very comedic banter between all the parents. How did you go about adapting that kind of fast-paced dialogue and comedy to the book? Uh, well, it's actually it was actually great because, you know, when you're doing TV or something that's comedy and it's short form, you know, you don't have a lot of time, you have to be really quick and everything has to be punchy and pacey. So it was a real luxury to be able to just delve more into that world. And even though I would like to think that the scenes in the book between the three or four characters are still punchy and pacey, you can just go into a bit more detail about what's going on in their heads, depending on what character's perspective it's from, um, and just lengthen those bits of dialogue a little bit more, just let it breathe a bit more. Um, so that was actually really nice. And it was also, um, I mean, one of the challenges, obviously, in adapting it into a novel, when you write dialogue for the screen, you have a lot of control over uh, the rhythm of that dialogue and how it's delivered and how it's cut together. Whereas writing it for a, for a novel, we just we had to approach, particularly the dialogue, we had to approach with a very different mindset to make sure we could achieve those sort of similar rhythms on the page without being too prescriptive for how the reader should should read it and I've always been um I I love writing dialogue um because I've been writing kids books for quite a few years now and um when I was even at RMIT doing professional writing years ago the one thing I always loved doing in any writing exercises was dialogue um and so for me it was just a joy to be able to um you know script writing and novel writing are obviously very different forms but it's still the same when it comes to dialogue. You want it to sound believable and, and natural and have a rhythm to it. Well, it, it is very good, even as a person who's not a parent and hasn't stepped foot inside a school for, like, a decade. <laughs> still very relatable, I think. Oh, that's, that's so good. good to hear. Thank I mean, you. And that, that's something that we always wanted to make sure of with, um, with the web series as well. You know, we didn't want it to be a sort of niche, parenty, in-jokey sort of thing. We just we really wanted the drop-off just to be the setting for, for our characters to um, to express whatever they want to express in whatever way they want to express it. And hopefully that, yeah, has, has reached beyond just uh, parents and teachers and carers, etc. Well, on that note, in the book, we learn a lot more about the characters of Lizzie, Megan and Sam. How did you go about expanding those characters and their backstories? Um. Look, I'm a very structured writer. <laughs> She's um, a very structured woman, Max. Um, I'm a planner. So before anything, before writing even one paragraph of prose, I went away on my own to Barwon Heads that was just referenced in that little bit. Um, I went away to Barwon Heads on my own for five days, stayed in a lovely Airbnb and just did lots of planning of each character. I broke down... Um, each character uh, and their backstories and what their arc would be in the novel um, and what the overall story was that linked all three of them and then how they would all how that would all interweave with each other so I spent five days doing a lot of writing and thinking and 
um, planning it all out with, you know, seeing cards up on the wall and big pieces of cardboard and I'm a nerd is basically <laughs> the answer to that. Back in the web series, Fiona, you played Lizzie and Mike, yeah. you played Sam. Given that, it's hard to not imagine you two as those characters when yeah. you read the book. <laughs> With that in mind, I was kind of curious how much of those two characters are based off your own personalities and, and life experiences. Uh, look, there's a bit in there, obviously. I think um, yeah. our daughter, who's 16, just read it for the first time, like a couple of days ago. Um and she read it in two days, which was nice. That's a compliment in itself. Not that um, we'd be encouraging any under 18. No, just our daughter. <laughs> um, but she kept coming out and saying, is this so-and-so? Is this so-and-so? And because obviously she knows very well that those characters are kind of a mix. So there's a lot of me and Lizzie, but then there's other people in Lizzie as well. And the same with Sam. There's a, a lot of Mike mm. in Sam, but then there's other people that have been thrown in there as well. Yeah, like, you know, Sam's got quite a quite a sad and broken married life and I, I can't particularly relate to that and I'm not <laughs> as sad as, as Sam is a lot of the time. But um, I'm not Bridget. Let's You're not, say. yeah, Bridget being the um, rather nasty piece of work who's Sam's, who's Sam's wife. I know it's a little bit like picking a favourite child, but would you <laughs> say you have a favourite character out of all of them? Not necessarily even the main characters, anyone from the book. Oh, I love Ellie. So Ellie is Megan's mum um, and she lives in a retirement village and is just having the time of her life. Um and I love Ellie because Ellie is just full of life and funny and smart and just a woman that I love. And she's based on a couple of people that we know in real life. So, I, yeah, if I, I don't want to pick one of the main characters because that's too hard, but if I could pick another character, I'd probably say Ellie. Well, I'm going to pick one of the main characters because oh. I don't mind making the hard decisions, Fiona. <laughs> um, I... Lizzie's my favourite. Oh. Uh, not, not because she's both, not because of you. Um, I just think just, you know, we're in isolation and feeling a bit sentimental, but in the same way that Fiona is very much the heart and soul of our family life, I feel like Lizzie is uh, the heart and soul of the book. Um, I feel like it's sort of her her tone and her perspective that gives it the most warmth and the most humour um, yeah, so Lizzie's, you know, she's she's a lioness, and um, but she's also an old softy. <laughs> so I love Lizzie. <laughs> and with the character of Rick, who's new in the book, I was curious if he was to appear in the web series or any other sort of screen version of the show, who you'd have to play him? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. I love that question. I don't know why this just instantly popped into my head. And he's not a comedian, but I just immediately thought of David Wenham. <laughs> I would probably need to look him up. I yeah. do not know oh, him. Oh, David, okay. Uh, you're too young to know David Wenham. He used to be, he's, he's a big Australian actor. Uh, let me think. My, my first instinct, and because, you know, you want to keep it realistic, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that's really, Absolutely. that's, that's yeah. very realistic. Yeah. That's good. Uh, no. Nice. Um, oh, David Quirk. He'd be a good Rick. Great Australian comedian. Or, you know, we could just go with, let's just say, Stephen Gates. Gatesy from Tripod. <laughs> we'll just keep, oh, we'll just yeah. keep mining Tripod for all they're worth. We'll just keep using our mates. <laughs> 
Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the collaborative writing process as well, because you you two co-wrote the book together as well as the web series. What are the, I guess, individual strengths you both bring to the the writing process? Well, with the the writing of the web series, I wrote the majority of the first drafts of those scripts, and then you know, as we do with everything that we write, we just then we just bounce it back and forth. Where we were never in the same room writing together. Mm. Um, when it comes to the novel, Fiona did the lion's share of um, the writing of the first draft, and then as she was cranking out thousands of thousands of words, she would just send it to me, and I'd take a pass at it because um, I just I don't have the same uh, ability or um, flair for structure and sort of long form narrative arcs. I'm much better at just taking a pass at copy and, and as Fiona likes to say, zinging it up a bit. So, I'm, you know, I take a joke pass at it. So Mike's very good at, yeah, he he can read anything I send him and I'm, like I said before, I'm very, I'm all about structure and character arcs and story and getting those right and then obviously I also like writing prose as well um, and dialogue. But Mike is so good at, he's got a really good joke brain Um which I don't have anywhere near as good a joke brain as he does. So, um, and he's also really good at um, condensing and and editing. If I've gone on, rambled on a bit too much, he's good at slashing and just tightening and making it all kind of pop on well, the page. Because what was how long was the first draft? Do you that was um, one hundred and eleven thousand words. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to give that a pretty decent trim and. Uh, it's you know being um, a married couple who've been together nearly nearly twenty years. There's um, there's no molly coddling. You know there's no there's no um, if you want to fight for an idea, you better be ready to fight for it. And often when it came to the editing, I would just send Fiona a gentle text from the other end of the house saying, "I'm cutting chapter seventeen <laughs> because because I." I and I think that's one of the great things about having another set of eyes to send your work to is that I could recognise maybe more than Fiona could when she was in the eye of the storm cranking out so much material. When character beats were repeated or when story beats were repeated or when I felt like that had already been said, we'd already discovered that, so let's, let's move on to the, the next interesting thing for the reader. And, Mike, um, I think we also complement each other really well in that Mike... Um, has a tendency to go really wrong world um, and can get quite, you know, politically incorrect or just goes way beyond what, you know, I would think is acceptable. Mm, It's a gift. Um, And so he will go there, send it to me, and I will just go, no, uh, you've gone too far, and just pull him back. Uh, so it's and then in the other way it works because if I've you know not gone far enough he'll push me to go that much further and hopefully we end up finding some good middle ground yeah <laughs> are there any examples of particular scenes or jokes that were I guess cut for being a little bit too on the nose well look Sam because Mike wrote all of Sam's emails that's totally his voice um, and sometimes let's just say Sam might have gotten a little bit too dark um, <laughs> and a little bit too wrong world um and so there were a, there were a few times when i would read sam's email and a part of sam's email and just think no that's too depressing like that's too dark and too depressing <laughs> um and so just 
try and pull that back a little bit. I just bit. thought you, you were just saying I've got a real gift for joke writing. <laughs> <laughs> On the note of Sam's emails, I actually was curious why you chose to have Sam's story uh, told through emails as opposed to, I guess, regular prose. From a practical point of view, it was much easier for for Fiona to allow me to give Sam that sort of unique voice that I can provide without having to worry too much about how it was going to fit in to the overall narrative arc. Whereas when she, mm. you know, Fiona would give me some very specific directions, like in this email, this is where Sam's at. It's going to come right after that chapter chapter with Megan. And so then I could write it with that in mind. But because Fiona had a much better understanding of the book as a whole, from a practical point of view, it was easier to structure Sam's chapters like that. And it was also a stylistic choice because... Um, I wanted to have each of those characters have a different style. So obviously Lizzie is in first person, Megan is in third person, and Sam's are emails. And I liked that. I liked having a mix um, of forms for each of them. And obviously, you know, people express themselves very differently in an email and particularly when they're emailing their dearest, oldest friend. You know, it's a very... It's a very intimate and sort of secret relationship. It's the sort of way you only talk to your best friend. Like a diary. When you're when you know no one else is listening and no one else is going to read it. So it's a it's a very it's a very particular and a, yeah, it's definitely a very sort of intimate mode of correspondence. And Mike, since you have uh, previously written for stage and screen, yet if I'm not mistaken, this is your first book. I was Correct. curious, I guess, how the experience challenged and um, was a bit different for you as a writer. Um, the main thing that I wanted to keep a focus on <laughs> was knowing that, you know, and it's such, it's such a basic tenet of, of being a novelist, but I had to keep reminding myself that this, these were not words that were going to be performed. These were not words that I was going to get up on stage and deliver to an audience and hone in that way mm. or give to other actors to say out loud on screen. This was, this was for readers and I know that sounds so blatantly obvious but I really had to keep bashing myself over the head with that to make sure that I, I that I was sort of distilling what I think are my best qualities as a writer and just dedicating it to the page and that was initially it was really challenging but after after a while like after a few months when um, I managed to grasp that very basic skill of being a novelist um I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it because it felt it felt very, very pure and very final. You know, this wasn't um, a stand-up routine that you were going to uh, hone over over a few weeks and months in different clubs, adjusting the words, adjusting the rhythm, adjusting the delivery. It's like once that's finished, once it's on the page, it's done. Mm. And Fiona, similarly for you, you've also written for stage and screen, but you've also, as you mentioned, written a few books for younger readers. How is the experience of writing a book for adults challenging and different for yourself as a writer? Um, I loved it. It was kind of my happy place. It was kind of the place I'd been trying to get to for all these years. So, um, you know, when I started writing professionally, my first job 
was on, you know, Skid House and Flipside, so sketch comedy, so very short jokes, and that's just not mm. my forte or my happy place. I don't enjoy that. Um, so I did that for quite a few years, and it was a fantastic learning ground for me, but I was never happy doing that because I don't enjoy that sort of writing or stand-up or anything like that. And then over the years, um, I that's when I did the RMIT course um, just after all that sketch comedy stuff, and that's where I found my true love, which was writing prose. Um, and you had fun doing the sketches. I did. I had an absolute ball. Because but, from a writing perspective. Yeah, it was stressful. I loved performing them, didn't so much love writing them. Mm. Um, but, yeah, um, going to RMIT was life-changing for me because that's where I found sort of my tribe, my peeps who love reading because I've always been a massive reader. That's always been my first love, Don't writing say, and reading. Don't say peeps. Shut up. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's been like, you know, on, since then I've been writing more and more prose stuff and obviously longer form scripts. So we write a lot of, you know, we've got a lot of pilots and scripts that we've written like that. But compared to writing kids' books, obviously very, very different, but sort of the same when it comes to, you know, you've still got to have engaging characters and you've got to have a good story and good arcs and all that stuff. So that still applies whether it's kids or adults. And I would never say writing kids stuff is easier. Mm. Um, they're very different, but they've both got their challenges and they've both got their, well, for me, I love both. Um, but the adult novel, obviously, a lot longer, took a lot more time to write and a lot more planning and thought. Um but, yeah, I want to keep doing it forever now, basically. Yeah, it was interesting with how you mentioned Skid House because that was a show that I watched a lot when I was um, probably too young to be watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I saw a lot of that kind of same humour from Skid House and Comedy Inc. and stuff like that, both in the web series and the book as well. That kind of irreverent, like, sort of absurd, like, send-up of Australian culture and stuff like that. I feel like it has the drop-off yeah. has the same kind of vibe. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that is mine and Mike's, that is our voice, mm. that is our humour, that's always been who we are and with our friends that's how we talk and that's, you know, what we write and so that's good to know that that tone was there. Um, and really, I mean, sometimes for us it's about trying to trying to balance um, having the courage to um, put out into the world a conversation that we might have just had with friends that is, that is incredibly wrong and the sort of thing that would only ever be said behind closed doors. But more often than not, that's what people love to see. Mm. So it's that balance of finding the courage to, to say those things out loud without being horrendously offensive. Well, with two seasons of a web series and now a book out in the world, can we expect to see a little bit more of Lizzie, Megan and Sam anytime soon? Oh, that's a very good question, Max. I don't. I feel like we just need to get through... We're still, like I said, feeling quite nervous because it's not really out there yet. People haven't started reading it, so we, we're a bit nervous about what the response is going to be. Um, and so once we're sort of through this, then we can clear our heads and go, right, what do we do now? Because um, we've I got other projects that we're working on that mm. are non-drop-off related, but I guess we'll just wait and see what the response is, I guess. And also the drop-off has been... It's been with us for a long time, you know, and to get the opportunity to to write this novel and even just feeling very um, grateful to be able to put something creative out into the world, particularly at the moment when so many artists don't have that opportunity, 
and to be able to sort of put a book that hopefully will give some people some laughs and some warm and fuzzies feels like a real blessing. Um, by the same token, we do, I mean, we love the characters and we love the world that we've created. So if the opportunity presented itself, I don't think we'd say no, but by the same token, we also feel like we're ready to move on to the next thing creatively mm. um, because we've, we've gotten a lot from the drop-off. It's, it's been an incredible part of our lives and something we're so proud of apart from sort of being able to, to um, make this creative calling card for, you know, if people want to ask us, so what's the tone of your writing and the sort of things you often get asked when you're pitching, um, when you're pitching pilots or TV shows, we, we've now got something we can point to. We can point to the web series. We can point to the book and say that's very much, that's the voice um, you're going to get with, uh, with the two of us. But I look on... I love these characters in this world so much. They feel very a big part of our lives and I have a lot of love for it. So I would never, you know, be happy to say goodbye to them. Um, if it's the gift that keeps on giving, then sure. Excellent. Well, Fiona and Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Thanks you. for having us, Max. The Drop-Off is published by Echo and is available on our website at goodreadingmagazine.com.au or any good bookshop.